we need to talk about investing. A Beginner Investor Podcast from Charles Stanley. It is a brand new year, thank goodness. Happy 2022, everyone. So on this episode of We Need to Talk About Investing, we'll be talking all about refreshing your portfolio and getting your finances in check as the endless opportunities of the new year are upon us. So if you made it one of your resolutions to have better financial health, or even if you didn't, listen on as Rob Morgan guides me through all that I need to be doing to make the most of this fresh start. So it is the start of a whole new year, which is a great time to reset. It's a great chance to kickstart things, start new routines, make goals, etc. And that also means it's a great time to review finances, including, of course, my own personal investment portfolio. So to help me today and to give me all of the tips and tricks that he has, we've got chief analyst and stock market guru Rob Morgan here today. Rob, as always, thanks so much for chatting with me. That's no problem. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. So let's jump right into these questions here. So first, generally, and I I know I need your advice on so many things, including this, what kinds of advice would you give to those looking for a financial New Year's resolution? So like, what specifically do you think that people should be keeping in mind? Yeah, I mean, New Year, it's often a time people take a a fresh look at things, fresh look at finances. Uh, It's a good time to to do that. And people often think about things in calendar years as well. Mm. as to you know investment performance as well so it's a chance to really reflect on what's happened over the past year if you're already a seasoned investor and look at get your portfolio how things have done um there's loads of resolutions you could look at depending on your situation it might be if you're just starting out getting to grips with investing committing to review things more often uh, or it might be saving more or protecting your family making sure you've got sort of adequate insurances or making a will things like that Paying off debt, of course, very important before you start investing to pay off any uh, very high interest uh, debt and just, yeah, making more of your money generally. Some of the the things you could resolve to get to get to grips with, really. I think one of the big things here and that I think is bringing to light as you're listing these off, right, is just to kind of be conscious about finance generally, because I know that I mean, I'm guilty of this for sure, like because it's something that has really overwhelmed me in the past, my, my the way that I've dealt with it is just by not dealing with it. So kind of shoving yeah, it away, good. not even thinking about it, hoping that like future me can deal with those problems. But right, the new year is an amazing opportunity to kind of get yourself feeling fresh and ready to go for financial security in the future, right? Yeah, that, absolutely. And, and resolving to kind of you know, educate yourself and take your first steps. Uh, into yes. it you know that's often the hardest uh, the hardest part so actually mm-hmm. getting over that line and, and committing to do that is uh, your future self will thank you for doing that absolutely so you wrote an absolutely amazing article called new year fitter finances on our website we'll have a link to that um so i would love to talk about the list itself and the way that it kind of ties to my own investing journey so i mean as people may know i did start about a year and a half ago with a lot of great guidance from you rob and i can't thank you enough for <laughs> all the guidance you've been giving me. So what I have done myself, and I don't need to go into too many details here, but I put a direct deposit of 300 pounds a month. So that's something that's just getting taken off every month, no matter what. The first of your seven steps is to define your goals. So I think I can say here, my financial goal in the next 
five years or in five years is to be able to have enough to buy a home in London. Why do you think it's important to define your goals before kind of getting things started? Yeah, I think it just helps having an idea of where you want to be I mean, and having a kind of a game plan. I mean, if you're training for an event like a 10K or a marathon or whatever, you know, having that goal to do it in a certain time or to do it by a certain date is really kind of motivational. So having that kind of objective sort of set down and, and obviously you have to look at the context and, and, and how much you can afford to do, but having the, having the goal really sort of focuses the mind and uh, will, will kind of spur you on, I think. And, and, and a house purchase is obviously a really, really good one because, you know, it's uh, such an uh, emotive thing to be thinking about, you know, having, having your first home. So, um, you know, absolutely, that's a, that's a really, really common objective for, for yeah. people. What are some other common goals for people? Retirement, obviously, I'm sure, is one major one. Yeah, I mean, goals can be kind of specific or they can be more, more general. And, and obviously, retirement is, um, is one of those ones, which is, you know, obviously, everybody wants, um, you know, comfortable retirement and, and often is uh, uh, earlier rather than later. And, and having an idea of, you know, how much you need to save, how much um, return you need and, you know, when you can actually do that is a really good sort of first step. And then you can tailor that plan and try and work towards it uh, as much as possible. I mean, I generally would put goals down to kind of short, medium and long term, and that really helps. So retirement is your long term one. You know, you can, you can generally take a lot of risk with that goal because, you know, you've got uh, decades ahead in many cases to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to work towards that. Whereas your short term goals, you know, whether that's a holiday or something like that, that's going to be very much kind of a savings goal. So you're going to be mm-hmm. looking at um, putting cash away in a bank account just to, to kind of get to that point. So splitting it up into kind of short, medium, long term, I think really helps. And it really helps you sort of work out you know, how much risk you're happy taking with it as well. So the next step here on this article is watch out for the investment gap. Can you just elaborate on this a little bit? Because I know the investment gap is something I've talked about a little bit in the past. Yeah, we've been touching on this, you know, on and off really throughout our sort of uh, podcasts and, and other content. And really, it's what we mean by the investment gap is the gap that's opened up over the last decade or so, really, a bit between those opting for cash savings and investors putting uh, money to work in the stock market and other, and other assets. And really, it relates to the fact that, um, you know, the interest rate you get on cash on cash rises, cash deposits, is not enough to keep up with the increases in the cost of living that we've been seeing over that mm. period. And that's something that's really accelerated over the last year. And we've seen greater rates of inflation coming through. So it's a double-edged sword, unfortunately, because obviously you have to take risk going into the, the market, um, which is why over short periods you would tend to favour cash. But you know, the longer you leave money in cash and the more you have in cash, that gets eroded over time and there was you know I'm old enough to remember sort of 2000s when you could actually get a a pretty decent rate of interest on cash which is which was enough to keep up with inflation and possibly beat it and those days are long gone and so what we've we've had over the last decade really is a period of of repression where where cash has has been a poor place to be for the long term and and right it's the idea right of inflation generally right that things are getting more expensive every hour minute and second we're alive pretty much no matter what and a great way to hedge against inflation right is to be investing in the stock market as opposed to just having 
money lose value in a savings account. 10,000 pounds 20 years ago will have bought you a lot less or a lot more than 10,000 pounds. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's quite scary looking at things like sort of the, the Bank of England inflation calculator. I mean, you need for every one pound 10 years ago, you need over one pound 20 today. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on the real on the real estate market, like in the past 50 years and the kind of stuff that you could be buying even like 30 years ago. Anyway, that's a whole other topic for another yeah. day. And this this is this could take up the whole podcast, couldn't it? But yeah. the, yeah, the, the, the principle is that, yeah, the, the, the longer you leave it, you know, the, the more you stand to lose in, in terms of the kind of the erosion of your spending power. But, you know, that doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, you need a rainy day fund and you need um, some money in cash just to make sure you've... Um, for emergencies. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, look at me, look at me finishing your sentences. I'm now I'm a finance pro with all the things that I've been being you taught by you. <laughs> exactly. Okay, next one here is make the most of tax efficient savings. So we have a very important day coming up, right? Can you just go into ISA season itself and the tax efficient savings? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, tax years run from um, uh, 6th of April to, to 5th of April the following year. Why and, do they, why do you Oh, know? we're not going to that's to do okay. with, <laughs> and we don't want to get into that, that's a whole rabbit hole to go down, right? But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> the sorry, within that period, you, you get uh, certain, certain allowances you can use, most common is the ISA allowance, and um, you can invest up to £20,000 a year, and all of your investments within that environment are going to be uh, free from income tax and, and capital gains tax. So the message really is use that before, you know, investing outside of, a, of an ISA and also use your, your, your pension as well. But um, it's just a, a really be aware of, of those allowances and when they, uh, when they run out to, in order to sort of maximise the tax efficiency of your portfolio. So the, I don't know if it's like a cultural barrier here, but to me, the language around this is super confusing. So the fact that it's called an allowance makes me super confused because to me, like an allowance is like a, is like something like a present. So like something you're getting, but here, like, right, the gift, the allowance here is the government actually isn't taxing you and you have until April 5th, right, to put as much money as possible into your ISA and then on April 6th, and you are back down to zero and you can put 20 grand back in again, right? Yeah, it's um, an amount that you can put in each tax year. And of course, that right. might uh, change in the future. It's gone up over the years. You know, it used to be uh, used to be lower than that. But um, we seem to have got uh, a stable situation now where it's uh, it's 20,000 a year. Yeah. And, and of course, pensions as well, where you get the tax relief, which is if you're saving for retirement, that that's going to be you know, in a lot of cases for a lot of people, the most tax efficient way because you get uh, tax relief at your highest rate, you get basic rate tax relief, which is 20% automatically. And then you can claim back up to if you happen to be a, a high rate taxpayer or additional rate taxpayer, you can claim up, up to those amounts as well. 40 or 45%, right. so. so if I have a stocks and shares ISA, which obviously I do, and I put in 20,000 so I meet that allowance, but then I still want to put in five more. So I want to put in 25. Am I able to with our stocks and shares ISA or would I have to have a different account? Are so, you allowed so, to put in more than 20? Not that I have you, that problem yet. <laughs> you'd have to wait for the next tax year. So you okay. can put in, 
twenty thousand now, and then you can put in another five on the sixth of sixth uh, of April. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Okay. So next point on this list is ensure your portfolio is diversified. So this one kind of stood out to me because I mean, with total transparency here, my portfolio as limited as it is right now, although I am working on it every month, I basically have, I have two, again, I won't go to details, but I have two main funds that I've researched that I really like here, like the sound of. And so when I'm putting in my direct deposit money every month, it's going towards those two funds. Is that diversified enough or should I be bringing in more into the equation? I mean, yes, it's diversified in a sense. Each of those funds is invested in yeah. Probably 30, 40, maybe 60, 80, 100 stocks. So you're, you've got instant diversification with a fund. But if that fund is invested in a certain particular area or a certain, certain particular style, then you may have less diversification than perhaps if you've got a fund which is uh, spread more geographically diversely or it, you've got different sort of styles in terms of, of sectors as well, or different asset classes, because you can have funds which obviously are spread across different uh, different markets and different asset classes, so bonds as well as equities and other things, um, to, um, to make sure you've got as many different uh, areas working for you as, as, as possible. So in a sense, yes, you're diversified, but in another sense, you, you may not be, because, mm-hmm. you know, only two funds you know, possibly is is too little. But having said that, if you are starting early and you're building up, then, you know, that's you've got to start somewhere. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's not necessarily a bad place to, to start because rather than having a small number of shares, which is going to be, um, you know, inherently very risky, you're at least spreading it over a share portfolio, albeit within the confines of one or two funds. Right. And I think that if people are looking to uh, see the details of the funds that they're in, they can just go to our fund page, right? You have, there's a whole breakdown of exactly which, what categories the funds are allocating yeah. to, yeah, right? Absolutely. You know, if you, if you are someone who likes picking funds, then obviously, obviously you, can, you can look at that and, and research the individual stocks if you want to within those funds and see what they do. And, but if you don't want to be that hands-on, then, you know, like I say, there, there are sort of multi-asset funds, which, um, you know, for example, the Charles Stanley multi-asset fund, which, which do that sort of hard work for you in terms of the asset allocation and, um, you know, put someone in charge of that for you. But um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, whatever works for you, really, you know, a lot of people have a sort of nice sort of stable core and then a few more exciting funds around that. And that tends to work well for, for, for lots of people. So the next step here is stay focused on your strategy. Why is this important? Yeah, well, I think it's easy, really easy to get distracted. And I think that's only got more relevant uh, recently with the, you know, the volatility that we've seen and you know, all the news that comes out on a, on a daily basis. It's really easy to, just to get drawn in to the, whatever narrative is, is going on in the media. And that tends to sort of make people want to do something with their right. investments. It's FOMO. And, and- it is, Rob. FOMO is such a powerful thing. I think that people feel, especially with all the chaos that's been happening with the stock market recently, and all the, it seems like if you look on the internet or even just like on Instagram, it seems like every single person is making crazy money from all of these like really rogue investments. And so I feel like that's kind of compelling people to want to 
take these risks, even if they're not the right choices. Yeah, we talked about that in our last one, didn't we? The totally. other, yeah. Podcast and, and how that's kind of dangerous and, and, and sucking people into, you know, potentially some some, some bad decisions. Uh, but the FOMO aspect, the and I think this this is this year is going to be a more testing year. We've had a year where we've had the last year was a year where kind of everything bar a few things went up and it was you know relatively plain sailing we, we've had actually um a period where you know lots of um of the more speculative areas the the kind of the airs come out of that they've, they've subsided a bit so and and looking to this year i think things probably at times may be a bit more testing mm-hmm. but within that i just think that people have got to keep focused on you know what is your long-term investment strategy and and you know you're going to get short-term declines that's that's part and parcel of investing the bigger picture is you know in the long term 5 10 20 years time you know what are the valuations going to be and that's really where you've got to focus on the long-term focus on the horizon and not on the short-term noise and and let that detract from your from your strategy because there's, there's such an urge to just kind of do something but the the most part doing something tends not to add any value for people right. <laughs> and just sitting on your hands and doing nothing and sticking to what you decided on if it was a good strategy to begin with is the is the best way to to just sit that out and, and it's a really easy decision to kind of follow what's going on in the media and do and, and do something but for the most part I you know urge people just to kind of sit on their hands really mm-hmm. don't You've don't trade them out that's yeah, like that's, that's a really bad one. If you sort of if you try and sell and time the market and then buy back in again, you've got to get two things right. One is one is selling at the right point, and the other one is getting back in again, and that's okay. even more difficult than the first one. So don't even bother with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one one quote I forget where I read it, but it was good. It really has stuck with me. Was that investing is supposed to be boring? Yeah. Right. I know, and people make it try and make it exciting, and, yeah. and I think all the all the focus is on making it exciting, isn't it? All the attention that's where it's directed, but really, well, it should be kind of boring. That's how you get attention to get people to buy products, right? It's like this flashy, new, exciting thing, blah blah blah. That's like it's a marketing tactic. <laughs> I'm um, recalling a survey that came out. I can't remember. I I can't remember when this was, but I'm sure someone did some kind of. Um, report on which portfolio which client portfolios did the best i can't remember which company it was this is probably in the u.s and they mm-hmm. and they found that dead clients deceased clients <laughs> it's some of the best returns because they didn't do anything i love that <laughs> that's just come off the top of my head and i don't know whether yeah. that's true but yeah the print in principle I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 absolutely so Second to last point here that you have is reappraise your fund choices. So after you just told us not to do anything. Yeah, okay. So yeah, resist the urge. I, I mean this is this is kind of a different point, but if things have gone very, very well in some areas, banking a profit isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and 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 often portfolios come out of kilter. So what professional asset managers investors will do is is generally rebalance um some might run their winners but also you mustn't get to the point where you're over reliant on you know one or two sectors or areas if you want to remain mm. diversified so it's never a bad thing to take a few profits and 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 perhaps reinvest in some ideas 
that have lagged and not done so well and just make sure that um, you haven't become out of whack with your original kind of allocation and portfolio that you're happy with in terms of risk. So don't sort of tinker too much, but periodically, probably once every every year, year or two years, you know, a, a rebalance is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So final point on this amazing article, which we can link to here, is get help if needed. Now, this is a tricky one because obviously Charles Stanley Direct is an execution-only service, right? Like it's just you have the app on your phone, you're kind of on your own. But what would you recommend to people that don't have, for example, a Rob Morgan that they can call to talk about their strategies? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we... There's 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 lots of help out there. I mean, obviously, we do at Charles Stanley offer financial advice. So if you do need um, advice in a particular area, whether that's crafting a plan for for retirement or, or seeing if you're on track for retirement, we can uh, offer a one-off uh, service in that sort of area. Or whether it's more of a holistic plan for for, for finances generally, we do offer that. Um, there's also lots of um, help if the the government money helper website is really good if there's any particular issues that um, you know you're not sure about, whether that's uh, involving tax or whether it's involving, you know, what you need to think about about uh, pensions and other subjects. So, yeah, that's a good resource. And of course, we're doing um, uh, a webinar as well, which is okay. uh, all about preparing for the tax year end. So, so look out great for that. Plug, and all the great plug. Great plug. Yeah. So on March 9th, Wednesday, March 9th, we are going to be hosting a webinar. We need a little bit more detail about it ourselves before we actually launch it publicly here, but it's going to be helping everybody get as equipped as they can for the upcoming tax year end, and as well as some tips and tricks and a little bit of a question period. So stay tuned for that. If that's something that interests you uh, to be attending to get some help or some guidance if you feel like you need it. Well, Rob, thank you so much again for all of your expertise. Great to chat with you about the stock market and things generally, but also for my own personal selfish reasons, it's always great to kind of suss things out with you so that I feel like I'm on the right track here. Good stuff, it's a pleasure. We need to talk about investing. Thank you all so much for listening to yet another episode of We Need to Talk About Investing. If you liked what you heard or if you learned something here today, please go ahead and like, share, comment, subscribe, engage with us any way that you want. You guys know the drill. Thank you all so much again. We'll see you all next time. A beginner investor podcast from Charles Stanley. The value of investments can fall as well as rise. Investors may get back less than invested. Past performance is not a reliable guide to the future.